we move like a startup. We we decide quick. We 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 ready to jump on trend, kind of whatever need to be changed real quick. And and I think that that's one of also our uh, advantage, the speed for us to make decision and change things quick. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and today we've got a great conversation teed up and some great food. So today, while we talk about a startup story and an entrepreneurial journey with my new friend, Ed, we're going to grill some turkey wings. I haven't done this before. Done chicken wings. I've done uh, turkey breast, but never done turkey. I've actually never done turkey legs or turkey wings at all so we'll uh we'll see where we we go ed Beche is here on the show ed welcome thanks jared how are you man <laughs> i'm great man it's so good to meet you and uh i can't wait for for you to share your story with our audience and i can't wait to get these turkey wings on here so <laughs> let me get that started uh ed where are you where are you coming to us from i'm in wilmington delaware and and I'm excited. Thanks for having me on the show. And also, I'm excited to see how uh, you barbecue that because I have never seen also someone, you know, barbecue some barbecue turkey. Exactly. Listen, you can barbecue. You can barbecue <laughs> almost, almost anything. anything. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I've got a. Uh, I've got a. I'm gonna hit it with a little grill spray so we don't yep. stick. I've got on a future episode. I, I want to do. I, somebody smoked some cream cheese. Uh, recently at a, at a little get together I was at and it was outstanding. And so I want to do that, but I don't want the guest I have to be sort of like disappointed Yeah. that I just sort of break out. <laughs> like, Oh, I thought it was going to be something cool, like <laughs> pork roast or something. And it's just a block of cheese, but it was really good. I mean, it's, you know, smoke and time plus already good ingredients usually yields pretty good food. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever grill out at your house? Yes, but this is where I'm saying it's a little bit tricky with the with the turkey. Like, it's I guess it's like it's as you know, like grilling. It has like a yeah. It has like almost like a like a neat. Like you have to have some skills to it, right? So I guess yeah. Well, allegedly, we'll see what happens. Allegedly, <laughs> Smo- slowly, slowly cooking something can often be pretty forgiving because yeah. you. Uh, can catch it before it gets away from you. I did break my number one uh, cardinal. I committed the cardinal sin with cooking turkey. There's a lot of damn turkey wings, by the yeah, way. I yeah. didn't get that many. Um, I did because I didn't brine them, but I, I, I'm seasoning them really good. I'm going to season them one more time, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to name the seasoning because hashtag not a sponsor. I know, right? Right. They're not getting a freebie on me just yet, although I do love this one. You could use kind of any seasoning you want on stuff like this usually i like to go for like sweet seasonings and things or maybe something with a little bit of pepper on some poultry like this yeah all right but season it up heavenly heavily and heavenly and we got it so we'll see these guys in a little bit awesome awesome so ed uh let's hear your story you're you're the founder of a a tech business called halen yes that is uh that hasn't come out yet i understand but it's coming out soon um, but before we get to that story, why don't you tell us your background? Where did you grow up and, and how did you become an entrepreneur? So I grew up in Tanzania, East Africa. Uh, same kind of story probably we heard of. Grew up in a village somewhere um, in a village in Tanzania. 
did not know shoes until I was 15. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, really? never wore shoes. There's this joke. I always make a joke. Like when I came to America, I was introduced to pedicure, <laughs> and and the lady do and the lady doing pedicure. She was like, "Take your shoes off." I'm like, "Lady, I already took my shoes off." <laughs> so- oh no. <laughs> You, I, frankly, you may have been introduced to a pedicure before I did. I don't think I got into that into my thirties, but yeah, that's so. How long did you live in in East Africa? Um, so I was there until I was uh, eighteen. Then then moved to the U.S. Uh, came to the U.S. and went to school and went to college to a community college called Saddleback in California. So was there and did not did not finish. Dropped out. I went to. I ended up moving to New Jersey from California. This was like uh, Orange County in California. Like uh, the, the the college is close to like Laguna Hills. Uh, the college is Mission Viejo. Very different than East Africa. I can oh, imagine. way different. Like <laughs> like cultural shock. Like in a way you can say, right? I remember there's even like landing at the airport, San Francisco, which was weird. The people like my my family friend picked me up, picked me up from the airport, and uh, and this also was my first flight ever, right? Oh, from wow. yeah, a long flight, a too. long flight, yeah, like long flight, and and I keep trying to remember how did I even remember how to connect the flight because I flew to Amsterdam, Amsterdam then to, to here. But I'm trying to, I keep trying to remember. I can't remember that because I feel like it, it was fun probably like just trying to figure how to connect those flights and then on my first time ever to be on a plane. So, <laughs> What prompted you to move to the United States or what? Tell me about that process. When did you decide to do that? Did you have to leave or was it a choice or, or how did you end up here? No, so luckily... Um, I, I was a member, uh, at the age of about 15, 16, I joined, uh, a Baha'i is a religious, like faith, Baha'i faith. And in the Baha'i faith, they have this thing is, uh, when you finish high school, you have to volunteer for at least one year before you go to college. Right. Um, so I wanted to volunteer when you volunteer, you can go anywhere in the world, really, from Tanzania, I could have went to India, I could have went to China or whatever. But luckily, I had a friend uh, who was from Chicago, and he's been in Tanzania with Peace Corp, and then he ended up working for this nonprofit organization. So he was in Tanzania for over five years. So we became friends. He was like, hey, why don't you go in the U.S. to do, you know, to do your year of service, and then after you finish, you can go to, to school. And I will sponsor you. Like that's that's how yeah, like a really good wow. guy. Yeah. He's like, I'll sponsor you. So the only thing we need to do is to find a family that will be able to house you while while you was there, right? So luckily also we had like he had a bunch of friends. We also uh met some friends also that they they came to visit us and they're like, Hey, can you stay? Can I stay at your place while I try to go to school? And also once once I finished once I finished the year of service. And the year of service, actually, they give you everything. And then after the year of service, then you have to find a place, right? Or you just fly, you got, you just go back home. So I did my year of service. After one year of service, then I lived with his friends while I'm going to school, the, the family friends. And my friend was paying for the school. And 
and <laughs> that's how we started. <laughs> that's incredible. So you um you you came up here. Mm-hmm. He 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 set you up in a school. Yep. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you got done, or was this like I'm just gonna get there, learn some things, and figure it out when I finish? Oh, so <laughs> here's a funny thing. So, uh, when first choosing choosing school, right? I was I was trying to figure like what kind of major do I want to do, and I was like, you know what, I should do communication. Like communication, I can get into you know sure. broadcast, maybe go into like anything media, or whatever. And man, uh, I was horrible at the grammar. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I got a test and everything, I, I turned in my test. The, the teacher's like, nope, failed. And I keep failing. And I was like, why did I pick this freaking classes? Like, I can't do <laughs> this grammar thing. Yeah. So it was horrible. So I stayed here, did. And then I found, uh, I later found, like, you know what? I'm good at computers. I was like, let me do some computer classes, like, you know, so I end up into computer networking was at that time it was so popular, like computer networking and all that stuff. So I end up kind of branching into that. And and when I left the, the community college, I end up moving to New Jersey. And then from there, I end up registering for another tech, a tech company. They almost like kind of, it was called Gibbs. It's almost like a DeVry, but just a little bit better. Just, okay. yeah, but yeah. That's where I end up into computer. Yep. So you learn what what area of technology did you get in? You say you're saying computers. Did you did you get into development or programming, or did you sort of get into the hardware side? No. So it was more like on the hardware side, and doing like all. The, I was more like the like this popular. It was more popular like where people you go set up like a networking the computer to talk to each other and everything, and like at a, a company or you manage the network and all kind of stuff. Yep. So, all right, that that was. How old are you now? Uh, right now, I'm I'm perfectly right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, forty six. Forty six. Forty six. All right. Well, you look good for forty six. Yeah. So that was that was a while ago. Yeah. You kind of got going. Tell me, you know, you've now got this tech startup you're working on. Mm-hmm. How did you land where you wanted to build a, a, a startup? The funny story is like, uh, if you remember the company BlackBerry, right? Yeah. Okay, when I was going to school uh, for this computer network in New Jersey, I ended up landing a job at BlackBerry office. Uh, I was in Fairfield, New Jersey, and I was I, I started. They put me actually in their computer. Um, what do you call? I was a, like a clerk for restocking all the stuff, like oh, like fixing the stuff, whatever. Like the sales people, like hey, my thing has a problem, kind of troubleshoot and all that stuff. Like tech support, yeah. And they, they were so flexible with me with my time. Like, you know, I can come in the morning, then leave, go to class, or I can come in the afternoon after class. And I was actually one of the people that when they closed that location, because that's the time it was kind of going out of business. When they closed that location, I was one of the four people that was the last to leave the company. Uh, because we had to collect all the other equipment from all the salespeople and all kind of stuff that that they worked remotely and all that stuff. Uh, but from there, so I was trying to figure uh, what to do. I started looking for jobs, and 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 by that time also I was kind of trying to figure because I want to be able to support myself because my friend is supporting me, but not to the extent like where I need to pay my rent or whatever. So I, that's why I needed that part time job. 
look for job, nothing, nothing. And from by then, I already worked for Blackbill for like two years. So, and then my friend who was sponsoring me, he ended up moving back to the U.S. And now he's a he's the president of the company and now he's in Washington, D.C. So I was like, okay, I can find a job. And my friend was like, you know what? You should move to D.C. You know, you can stay with me until you find a job. But D.C. is always one of those places like um, like even the economy, when if it's struggling other area, D.C. is always stable because of the government, right? It's always stable. So I go to D.C., uh, start looking for a job, trying to get the same job that I had at BlackBerry. Now I'm leaving again school. I'm like, I have to find a job, then I can go back to school. And from there, couldn't find a job. They, they need all the, I meet all the requirements, like, oh, I have the experience, I have this, this, but I just don't have the bachelor degree, <laughs> right? And what year was this? Oh, man. Was it like 2004, I think? 2004, 2005? Okay, let's check the grilly real quick. The grilly? I said the grilly. <laughs> the grill. All right, getting and I, you know what? I did not put the probes in them yet. So let me. Uh, you ever cooked with a pellet grill like this, Ed? It looked delicious, man. From here, uh, no, 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 but it looked delicious. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, we'll see. So these are bone in. I got to try to get the probes away from the the bone. Um, but when you put those probes in, it actually tracks the temperature digitally, so you can kind of keep an eye on. How your things are going and avoid salmonella, which is we are anti-salmonella on the show. I know. <laughs> before before I interrupted you with a grill check, we had a um, you were you had left BlackBerry, you're looking for another gig, and your friend comes back to the U.S. Yep. Right? Yes. So he come back to the U.S. Now he's in the U.S. for uh, so like let's say even when I lost I lost this uh, BlackBerry, he was already moved in in D.C. He's been there for a few months, and just likely that happened to like BlackBerry. Like uh, once I left BlackBerry, now I can move to DC there, and from there, um, looking for job. Nobody want to hire me. I, I have the experience. I don't have the bachelor degree that they are looking for college, yeah. whatever. And so I end up getting a job at the tax company. It's called Washington Flyer, where they had a. Uh, a whole contract with the airport. Anyone who come to the airport or leave the airport, they take the taxes. So I, I become a dispatch person there. Okay. So I was a dispatch there doing dispatch and I'm like, okay, now I'm not going to school. I go early in the morning. I'm there like, you know, like 4.30 in the morning until like one, two, three. And then from there, I'm left with this time. I'm like, I can't just go home, sleep. So uh, there was an airport, like a private airport next to, to exactly just like, two minutes walk from from my where the dispatch office was. So I went to apply there to be a customer service. Uh, so I started working as a customer service at the, at the private plane. So it's like I would leave my tax job in the morning and up to like one or two o'clock. Then I go this one until 10 p.m. Wow. So I have two jobs. Yes. Wow. So I, I have this thing. I'm dealing with driver in the morning, like taxi driver either – this was before GPS. Also, GPS was not so popular, right? Like, oh wow! So, yeah. So we were more like we were more like if driver call you, they call you like, hey, I'm trying to locate the customer, and you tell them, they tell you, uh, you ask them what street are you on, 
they tell you a street and then you go in the map. <laughs> yeah, you look at the map and you go, okay, you should see it. Wow. Yeah, you'd be like, okay. I don't think I don't think young people these days understand the struggle oh, or how don't. good or how efficient the world got when GPS became prevalent. I know, yeah. Like then you're like, okay, you can make a left at this street and this, yeah. And then the map is like, we know the number. This is oh, that's where the street name is now. So anyway, from there, and then taking this uh, experience that I'm learning from from the private airline, where I see like a bunch of rich people, famous people coming in private plane, and then limousine guy with the tie picked them up, and I was like, you know what, I want to do that. I want to wear a suit and drive this guy. So. Um, I end up leaving my my tax job and I start driving for a limousine company. Okay. So and from driving for limousine company, I actually I was making really good money. Where I had to leave both jobs, I had to leave also the private uh, job, the private airline uh, place, because now I'm making real good money with the limousine driving. Um, from there, while I'm driving and I'm like, oh, this is good, this is good, and then I had actually this probably is like is one of those. Uh, it pushed me in the right direction because I had a, a shitty boss. The owner, he was one of those, uh, I don't know if you ever seen this, like where he's not more of encouraging, but he's more of like kind of threatening you with some ideas. Like, yeah. like hey, if, oh, yeah. if you don't work for me, like you will never survive <laughs> kind of type like yeah. that, right? Yeah, I, I work for some shitheads too. You learn a lot from from idiots. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you learn a lot of what not to do. Yeah, yeah. So from there, like I learned, I'm like, whoa, this guy, he's more like, you know, like if you don't work for him, you won't survive. And from there, I decided, you know what? I can start my own limousine company. Okay. I know how to dispatch. I know how to find customer. Um, so from there, um, I bought my own town car register my own company and from just networking with people limousine drivers sometime this limousine drivers they have the customer that love them and where they just network it whatever so i started kind of doing that it was slow slow i start building slow customer and this limousine driver because they know me they're like hey pick up my customer i will pay you this or pick up this or, you know and from there and um, just kind of start growing slowly, slowly, made a website, start marketing, and grew the company up to like 12 vehicles. And I was doing wow. I was doing good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And it, 12 vehicles is really good for a limousine company. And, and this company is still there. It's called DC Private Car. And I ended up selling, um, I sold it to one of my friends. Uh, when I saw I was starting losing, by that time I already had some, Libby's firm like contract and I had some like even Fox News contract where I was um, wow I had this uh the anchor I'm talking about Fox News National not the, the local channel yeah um they have a main office in DC um when I saw that got out of because I started losing business from Uber when Uber was coming in I was one of those people ignoring Uber say ah nobody's gonna book a limousine company using an app right <laughs> <laughs> nobody yeah nobody gonna, <laughs> i like nobody gonna Oops. use it up to to book a car service and when i started losing business i was like oh okay this is happening so got out of it sold it and and I, once i got out of it it took me like two years and a half trying to figure what i wanted to do right i was like what should i do like you know like in my experience should i go back to school can i do it? i'm like man this is like i need to survive right 
Um, from there, I took the money that I sold the DC private car and I paid some freelancer to build an app like a Uber. It was called Global Sedan. So the app, it does exactly right share and everything, right? Right. And from there, uh, it was built perfectly. But I came with the mentality. I know you're you a tech, technology person. I came with the mentality like, hey, you build this app. It's like the website, old school. Like you build the website, you leave the website for like two or three years, then you update it. So I'm like, oh, the app is going to be the same. Oh, boy, I was so wrong. No, no. <laughs> I'm not sure websites are the same either if you really, yeah, if they're yeah. really active. Probably not, no, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing like WordPress, probably like you got to keep looking at anyway. So from there, the freelancer designed it and uh, and it took about six months before the app start glitching. So like the app, and I had a, likely too, like I had over like 4,500 drivers who signed up with the app and this global sedan app. And then I had 800 customers. Wow. But they, they 800 customers, they were like not all of them using all the time. The one will use like once every, every 45 days or whatever. And so it's very slow. Uh, so the app start glitching like where like a customer will request a ride and and the a driver accept the job and then the job disappear. The customer app is looking like, oh yeah, I'm looking, I'm waiting for the driver. The the thing keep rotating. I don't know if oh, you remember no. they used to do a little <laughs> Yeah, so you so you're having tech issues and it's it's irritating customers. <laughs> and then what? So after that, I was trying to get the people who the freelancer who designed it, like, hey, can you fix it? And Found on Upwork, came to find that this guy actually was just a project manager who hired other people to develop. And he could not get them back uh, to fix it. Yeah, problem there. Like he could not get them oh, back, boy. whatever. Maybe he paid them less than what I paid him. So we tried to look for other developer. Other developer came there like, hey, this app got too much bugs. We cannot fix it. The code has too many problems. Um, so from there, so you have to start over. I have to start over. Exactly. So from there, but at the same time, I was actually, I started pitching to investors. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I have this app, this app. Right. And, uh, from there, so I learned like, Oh, investor keep asking, do you have a CTO? Do you have technology background? Yeah. <laughs> the good stuff. Right. Uh -oh. Yeah. Yeah. So from there I decided to regroup. Okay. And, and at that time, actually, I was also registered for Uber and Lyft because I wanted to learn what are they doing that I can do in, to improve. Right. And from there, I wish I had enough finding or whatever knowledge for that because there was so much stuff that I was implementing in my global sedan that Uber did not have those stuff. But now Uber has that, that stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I had those stuff long time ago, but now you guys kind of catching up. But from there, I learned... Um, learned like uh, like I wanted to regroup and start over. And while I was starting over, I learned while I was driving also for Uber and Lyft, learning what to do. I was like, okay, I also want to try to stay busy uh, when I go out to drive for this company, like Uber and Lyft. And I, I remember a couple of times I will go, I will leave my house like seven in the morning until maybe two, three p.m. And I look at the time that I was just sitting with no pickup, right? And I feel like it was a waste of time. And also the other problem was like, hey, they keep switching back and forth on and on and on and off the app. 
I'm like, why I keep switching on and off? Because I want to stay busy, right? So I was like, maybe I need to, to add also Uber Eats so I can have at least three services. So it will keep me busy, right? Right. Uh, uh, I applied for Uber Eats and Uber Eats de- declined me to be the driver. And I was like, why are you declining? I already work for Uber, right? That was frustrating. And then from that, I, then I end up signing up for Grubhub, Grubhub. And then, and then at the same time, that's when the kind of the light bulb went on, right? And I was like, why don't I, why don't I create something that combine ride share and food delivery? Okay. Is this possible? Why Uber and Lyft hasn't done that, right? So from there, learning slowly, I started putting a team together. So I, I recruited a CTO, I recruited a system architecture. Right? I start recruiting people around me. And then we're like, hey, can we do this two things? Can we do two things in one app? The system architecture, oh yeah, it's called Super App. I was like, whoa, what is a Super App? <laughs> so from there, I start learning about Super App. Right. And searching even in- A Super App. Super App, yep. And learning from there, even the article, we start searching. If you search for Super App news in the US, when we started about 16 months ago, when you search Super App, probably there were like two, three articles talking about Super App, right? In the US, not popular at all. Right. And we're like, why didn't Uber Lyft do the Super App? Then we look, we're reading the system, the system architecture guy said, hey, when you create a system architecture for a, for a software or for an app, it's like building a house, right? If you build a house, like a four bedroom house, you cannot just turn around and say, let me put a high rise on top of this foundation. Right. Right. So with this kind of company that they started, they build a four bedroom house. Right. So now they spend so much money on this system architecture. They cannot just abandon it or they have to create a new system in it and on board, upload all the information for, to that and then just leave this one they have. So from there, we start learning like, hey, uh, from all the other super app in other places like like there's China, like where you have like WeChat, like there's uh, Thailand, I think, like they have Grab, they have, you know, Didi. All these are super app where they have so much, uh, so much service or so much uh, data in their, in, their, in their system and they are able to operate their, their super app. So from there, we start learning, hey, can we add multiple service into this Helen super app? So hey, so it's it's been called Halen now. Yeah, Halen. Now now we abandoned the global sedan. We're not doing the global sedan. Okay, we, Halen, as in Van Halen. Yeah, as Van Halen. Yeah, excited just Halen. It, yeah. yeah, it's. <laughs> and if you want to check it out, it's gethalen.com. Yes, see that website. Yeah. Uh, so we did the right share of food delivery, grocery delivery, and retail delivery. So the retail delivery kind of branch, we can do like uh, deliver for uh, Target, for Walmart, for Staple, any other store kind of stuff like that. Right? Okay. And then while we're doing that, we're like, hmm, only for service. Can we expand this to more services? <laughs> we're like, yeah, sure. We built a system architecture to accept actually multiple service. So we're like, okay, let's add a vacation rental. And a vacation rental, we can do like an Airbnb type where someone can list their house or someone can search the hotel within the super app. And also let's do flight booking. So we make like, this is, is a almost everyday usage for people, like where they can do food, uh, travel, and vacation rent or whatever. And that's where the Helen Super App was born. That's incredible. And, and, I, and I love that you're 
I mean, you, this came from a, a place of you were, you were in the industry, you know, with ride sharing and you've, you've, you've done a bunch of research on that. I have a, I have a bunch of questions though. <laughs> and I'd love to, so, you know, my inner shark tank is sort of like pinging when you're talking about these things. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you some questions and, and I'm sure you've got answers to these things, but if you were talking to an investor and you were running them through, I'm going to do this. So this is a super app. Yep. The first thing they would probably say was, um, how are you able to take on very well-funded, you're essentially taking on Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, Instacart, uh, Orbitz, <laughs> uh, Hotels.com. I mean, you name it. Like you're trying to do it all at once. And how, so if somebody says, how are you going to do that? What would you say? Great, great question. And how much are you investing again, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> None right now because I need to answer that question. <laughs> uh, yes. So in a way, it's going to look like we are, we are trying to compete them, right? Right. Uh, although we're not really competing them head on because they're, what we are doing is almost like they are doing maybe a, a portion of it, right? Where they're doing 20% of what we are doing. And in a way, if you look at it, we, we come into customer, we're telling them like, listen, uh, we are trying to protect your information where you don't have to expose your personal information to a bunch of different apps that are tracking you, right? So we're saying, uh, use one app, you can do multiple services in one app and just enter information in one app. You don't have to have six different services uh, or different apps tracking you, listening to you, selling your information, whatever, right? And then on driver, like actually once of the, one of the reason really I started the super app idea, I first was targeting drivers, is helping drivers, right? I did not even think about the customer version of it first. I was thinking about the, the driver, I'm like, how can driver be able to make a living? And how can I help them, right? So that's where it was like, oh, if you give full service for the driver, they can drive with full service without logging on, logging off, right? Um, that's where it started. But also, I came up with the idea of like, hey, this is a franchise model. And I'm like, how can I help my other friends who we used to have limousine company together? Like they used to have limousine company, but now Uber pushed them out. Now it's like they are struggling, trying to find a way to make a living, right? How can I help right. them? So I was like, oh, maybe if I do a franchise model, give them the system. So we franchise by county give them the system. Now they have a system to use and be able to make a living. So with franchising per county, it allowed them to make enough living in that county and also be the stable, to be the pillar of that, that community. Like, hey, if you have a problem with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the Helen Superb, you don't have to call the corporate because there's a main office here now, like local, right? Okay. And then from there, just embed the company into local community. And one of the things that I'm... Um, we think that Helen will not be one of those so much funded company where we had to go rely on uh, investor money is because the company itself will be funded by uh, franchisee, right? Every time we, every time we, launch, uh, we launch a franchisee, we are using a franchisee funding to, to market that area, right? So we don't need investor money to, to market that area. So we are using the franchisee owner. 
And I think that is going to help us to expand a little bit also faster uh, without really needing so much funding from investors uh, trying to compete uh, this well-funded company or whatever. All right. So, Ed, I'm, I'm going to check the grill one more time. While I'm doing that, I see you having some... Oh, that looks good. That looks good. Yep. <laughs> a, yes, a bit, bit tests really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I think I'll have to I'll have to film a little bit after the show. Mm-hmm. So, I think what you're going to run up against mm-hmm. is, you know, Uber. So Uber has Uber and Uber has Uber Eats. Yep. If you start to have success, you're going to have to continue to think about what happens when Uber just sort of moves the eye of Sauron onto you, right, and wants to nuke what you're doing, yep. either through competing or whatever. And I've um, you know, I, 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 it's hard to think that somebody as extraordinarily well-funded as Uber or Lyft or Grubhub or, Uber, you know, all these uh, couldn't figure out some of these things quickly if, uh, if the ROI was there. So I would say it's exciting what you guys are doing. The franchise model is interesting. I'm not so sure if the funding from the franchise model would necessarily scale along with you to keep up with your capital needs. So, so you probably will need to continue to think about raising money, but it, it does decentralize your support, as you say, which I think is a novel concept. And a lot of organizations haven't tried that before. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so if I was looking at this as an investor, that would be the biggest concern I have is what happens when the big boys, you know, flip around and just decide they want to come steamroll you. I guess that didn't become like, a. um, uh, because yes, they are well-funded, but then also they are controlled by board, right? So it's not one other thing they can just flip the lights and be like, okay, now we're doing this. So they got to create it. And and are those board and investor, are they going to be comfortable for them to say, hey, now let's turn our model to a franchise model, right? Like let's, let's, let's cut our share and give to this. And, and also one other thing that we find are, uh, this company have abused drivers so much, right? And driver have, yeah, yeah. have no loyalty to them, right? That's so, true. So it's like, do they want to bleed money by saying, hey, driver, stay with us. Don't go drive with Helen. And we're going to give you, we're going to keep giving you $200 bonus, $200 bonus. Like how many, how many, how long they're going to bleed money to just try to, to compete? Maybe because they cannot go lower. They cannot lower the price. Uh, they can lower the price for customer, but is the driver still making the same thing? Or is the driver going to be like, hey, you lowered the price. Now I don't want to deal with the you because now you're cutting my margin. So now I'm just going to stay with Helen or whatever. So there's, and again, you, you've been in the industry for a long time, right? Yeah. If you like, I have seen some jack, like some huge, like take example, Black Bear, right? Yeah. Black Bear was a lead until Apple, Apple came in and Apple just took the market share slowly, slowly, and BlackBerry were just stuck in their own thing. Like, oh, we're gonna keep the keyboard. We're gonna keep the keyboard until like years later. They're like, okay, now let's do, uh, you know, no keyboard screen. And they kind of like, you know, right. We move like a startup. We we decide quick. We we, we ready to jump on trend, kind of whatever need to be, change real quick. And and I think that. That's one of also our uh, advantage, the speed for us to make decision and change things quick. 
Ed, this was a uh, – we could talk about this for a long time. Yeah. I know we're a little short on time here. Thank you so much for telling us about it. If you if you want to find out more about what Ed's doing with Halen, you can go to gethalen.com. Um, Ed, where else can they find you? Uh, yes, I'm all over on, uh, on Instagram. Not, not Instagram. <laughs> yeah, Instagram. But, like, let's, Get on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we'll let's, see what you're eating for lunch. I'm, 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 more, I'm, <laughs> I'm more active on like LinkedIn, Twitter. Okay. Uh, so like really, if you just search Edward Beche or just uh, Helen Super App, like Van Helen, but just Helen Super App. Helen Super You should be able yeah. to see a lot of information about Helen. So, yep. Awesome. Thank you so much. Edward, it's great to have you here. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes of the Slow Smoke Business Show, make sure that you like us, that you follow us, give us a five-star rating if you would be so kind, and check us out on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and anywhere else you can find social media content. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jeff.